I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you something. You know, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I just get so hungry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and what do you need a picture for? Just look up handsome in the dictionary. There we go. Yeah. Bringing it home with Queen Albert. Queen Albert. Let's just queen him now, you know? And I and I'll say this like way at the top of like a minute in, there might be another queen in here as well this week in this <gasps> this this episode in this movie. I might oh. need to nominate a cons- maybe not queen, maybe lady, you know? Like maybe he's just a lady. Yes, uh, a queen, queen waiting. waiting. Yes, a queen in waiting. Um but all of this is just a, a very vague but deep tease uh, for the fact that today we are here to talk about the BSAs of 2003's Big Fish. Yeah. There... This is my idea. This was a request. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about it before. And I, I, I will say right off the bat, and I, I'm going to steal one of your lines, Colin, from uh, the already probably one of my favorite episodes of TRP, um, the Six Feet Under episode <laughs> of how you said you were going to do, a, you were thinking about doing a rewatch of Six Feet Under, but you're wondering, you made such a great metaphor, analogy, whatever you want to call it, of um, I'm hoping it doesn't like, when I go back to watch it, I hope it doesn't read like a, a journal from sixth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, yeah, I thought this was so good. And I kind of had shades of that in this this rewatch. With all that being said, like this was definitely a formative movie for me when I was younger. And I will always love this movie. But as, as I was watching it, you know, just like a few cringes, not like, you know, I'm trying to think of some other movie that we hated or something like that. But I come from away. I, <laughs> come from away. There we go. But um, I do think there's so much to talk about. There's so many stars in this movie, too. And I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say. And I will also understand if you if this isn't your favorite thing. You know what I mean? I, I'm prepared for that. Yeah. Well, you know, I um I the only thing I'd ever known about Big Fish was that it was like I just feel like someone somewhere said like oh if you have a like a weird relationship with your dad this movie's really gonna yeah. resonate and I was like oh girl you don't even know how big the fish I have you know like please yeah 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 I was like come on um so uh so it was kind of always on the shelf of like okay yeah at some point I'll watch that and you know it's funny and I sort of related to what you were just saying about kind of looking back and like oh is it going to feel weird now and is or is it going to feel like something that meant something more to me in college or whatever and you know one of the things that resonated the most for me and it's this thing that I haven't really like 
narrowed down or figured out what what this is but there's something about movies from the early 2000s where i'm like were any of them good <laughs> like and it's not that there weren't good movies yeah. but i feel like there's something about like from like 2000 to let's say like 2008 like somewhere in that realm where like whatever it was made at that time to me hasn't like sunk in to like like the nostalgia level of like a movie from the nineties or earlier. And it also doesn't feel current the way something from the last like 10 years would feel it. There's just something like movie, a movie from 2003. I'm like, what are you doing here? What are you? Yeah. Who are you? And I, I, what movies came out that year? Yeah. 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 Right. And I don't know why, like, I feel like I even think about that with like the best supporting actress winners were like in the year 2000, it was Marsha Gay Harden for Pollock. Yes. And I was, I was just going to say, right. And I'm like, I don't ever want to see that movie. I don't know. But I don't know what that is. Or is it just because like I was an angsty teenager in high school at this time. And so, you know, I'm just rejecting everything, but Big Fish felt so 2003 in just how it looked and how it felt and how it moved. And there's a Mm -hmm. slickness to like early 2000s movies that like, I don't know. Does any of that make any sense? Yeah, it's I'm thinking of more of Best Supporting Actress winners. You know, I feel like we had Renee Zellweger for Cold Mountain around this time. We had... Jennifer Connelly for A Beautiful Mind. For some reason, that it just seems early 2000s, uh, hey, even yep. if that came out in Leia. Yep. Um, I, I will say the two exceptions to this like 2000 time warp we're talking about is, of course, The Hours. Oh. I mean, that, that somehow rose above. I, <laughs> and yes. Chicago in 2004, yes. I agree. I or f- 2003. Was Chicago 2003? I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. I, I thought it was even, I thought it was later, but I, it, you're right. Those are, I mean, it's 2006, but it's in the pocket for sure. And you're right. The Hours far you know transcends this and yet i can also see how the hours is an early 2000s movie you know like i can objectively look at it and go yeah but you know there's a everything is just smoothed over and like in a way i can't i don't know what it is it's kind of how like in the 90s once like jurassic park came out they're like oh we could do cgi dinosaurs and everyone was doing it you know what i mean and it just became a Mm -hmm. thing of like what kind of crazy special effects can we do in the in the mid to late 90s and um yeah, so there's just something about like prestige pictures of the early 2000s where like all of them just feel like my first thought is like, ugh, that feels like a DVD I'd find in my parents' house that I don't want to watch. Like that's my first reaction. Sure. <laughs> and I this is all like a a, a, a probably a misleading setup because it's not that I didn't enjoy Big Fish. I actually thought it was a um I thought it was an interesting movie. Uh what maybe stood out to me the most was like, Ooh, this is definitely a movie about men. Um, like the women are sufficiently supporting in this movie, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a change of pace where I was like, okay, we're going to spend a lot of time with men. And, uh, and you know what? Sometimes that's refreshing. Sometimes it's like, well, you know what? What if I watched a man act for 20 minutes? What would happen? You know, maybe I'll enjoy it, you know? Yeah, when it's Albert Finney and, and Billy Crudup, like I, I don't mind looking at them for a little while. And right, so many things to like respond. Number one, um, uh, Chicago came out in two thousand and two, so oh, same year right, as The Hours, because right that pocket. was a great year at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I feel like Big Fish for anyone who hasn't seen it is like one part Forrest Gump, 
one part Edward Scissorhands and like as far as like the present day stuff it's like a, it's like a Tennessee Williams like family drama but I I wish I got more of the Tennessee Williams drama if that makes mm. sense like I don't need as much for it I feel like it was like 60% Forrest Gump you know f- Twenty uh, percent Edward Scissorhands. I mean, Edward Scissorhands is more of like it's it, the the fantasy of it all. Like anytime yep. I started to get a little antsy, I was like, just remember this is a Tim Burton movie, so there there are going to be those winks in there, like Danny DeVito scratching his like you know ear with his foot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? After he turned into a wolf, I think the biggest. My biggest takeaway was the pacing in this movie. It could have been trimmed down to like an hour and 30 minutes. Oh. And I don't know if you noticed that, but there was, oh my gosh. I was like, why are we lingering on this shot? I so know. obviously you felt that. You know, the movie got about 50 minutes in. And then every time I checked, I was like, it's still 50 minutes in. When are we going to cross the hour mark? Yes, yes, you yes, know? yes. And things like that. Were... I had to turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> like I definitely, like, I, I think I stopped and I like, you know, jotted down some notes of like, you know, I don't know, best supporting after show ideas or whatever. Uh, and yeah, I, I definitely like, so the thing is, I also in general hate flashbacks, you know, because it's so mm. like, I just got comfortable and now I have to like go back and now I've got to get it oriented with this world. And so that, but to your point, because it was Tim Burton, at least I knew they'd be interesting and I knew that there was like a, a thing to them. And I, but then it was like, wow, when are, when are we going to go back to Marion Cotillard? I'd love to go back to her, you know? And, and yeah. when's Jessica Lange going to get a moment? Oh, she's not? Okay, cool. She's going to lay in a tub. She's going to lay in a tub? All right. Yeah. Well, you know, Jessica Lange, maybe she just needed a paycheck in the early 2000s. So She looked great, yeah. She looked great, you know? Uh, but yeah, it was... Um, there was that too of like, okay, I just have to like settle into the fact that this is like a movie full of flashbacks and like you know, stories and, and I have to be excited to see you and McGregor. And you know, whenever a movie starts and I see that you and McGregor is in it, I always have to wait till I see the first shot of him before I decide if I'm happy to see him in the movie. Do you like him or do you have a similar feeling about him? I, I, I see where you're coming from. I do like you and McGregor simply just for the fact that like my first introduction to him was Moulin Rouge and I'm just you know I'm I'm forever in love with him because that was like my gay awakening in so many ways mm-hmm. and he was obviously like the romantic lead I do think he is talented but I I see where you're coming at from I think he's great in the Star Wars movies too I I know you're not that might not be you know on your alley um but He's an interesting guy, an interesting actor, too. It's like I never really quite know where to find him. He's not a James Marsden. No. He's not like a Mark Ruffalo guy. You know, I, I, I'm i like, okay. Yeah. I, I think I'm always excited to see him, but never... But I'm usually excited to see other people first. That made no sense, but you know what I mean. I hear what you're saying. He's not your first pick. And, and yeah. actually, I really enjoyed him in this movie. I think he's very charming. I think he... Um, he definitely like literally oh, yeah. is He's carrying so the movie at points and, and it's yeah. all about him being this like charming guy who, you know, um, in, in his own memory of himself, it just wins everybody over. And, uh, and I guess just for anybody who, who does not know anything about big fish, which I didn't, it all, it, it's basically 
this you know albert finney plays uh this this guy ed bloom who is you know this older guy married to his wife long 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 time love love of his life sandra played by jessica lang he has a son will played by billy crudup who he's always had a contentious relationship with will is married to josephine played by marianne cotillard Uh, ed gets sick and will and josephine go home to be with him and with sandra and through that experience together, we, we kind of hear or we watch, we experience kind of Ed's version of Ed's life through the stories that he tells. And we know from the beginning that he's a very tall, te- tall tale teller. And, you know, it's better to be interesting than tell the truth. And so, but the conflicts that creates for like a son who's like, well, I don't actually really know who the hell you are. And so the movie is basically charting Ed's life. Um, and Ed is played by Ewan McGregor. In, in his younger years. So, um, so that's yeah. the setup. That's kind of what's going on here. I'm really disturbed by the fact that it says Ed Bloom in IMDb. I just figured everyone calls him Edward like the whole time. I feel like the amount of people that called him Ed was like zero in this movie. I, Eddie or Edward? Yeah, I guess that's true. I was just looking at IMDb, but I guess you're right. That's really weird. No one really called him Ed. Yeah. You know, Billy Crudup, I, I think that like at some point, like, 20 years ago I just decided I was like ugh I don't like him and I don't know why I think I don't like his last okay. name because it has the word crud in it and so I always just think of like crud on your shoe crud up ugh, I yeah. crudded up my shoes <laughs> I, I'm being so critical right now that's okay let it out let it out you have to I, and I think I yeah, yeah. so I don't know that's that's what I know I we've never talked about him on this episode on this podcast before um, and I remember he was in some movie about like a track star but maybe it wasn't him oh yeah he yeah, played what? steve prefontaine and without limits and i always remembered like that trailer from 1998 Ooh, he was an almost famous too which i've never seen but i could picture him in that movie i mean billy crudup is a looker he is a very handsome man i this is like peak billy crudup for me as far as just like what i'm into <laughs> yeah i think he's so I think he's a really good actor. I know that um, I think the most recent project that like ever, anyone or people should know, I guess, is The Morning Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Keon has watched almost all of that, if not all of it. And he really liked him in it. And I've seen some like clips of him, you know, like screaming and, you know, he's he's that guy. But again, another sort of actor where. I never think of him first, but I'm oh, I'm typically glad to see him. And I, I just think there were a lot of really great choices made by him especially when he like in his scenes with like albert finney there was something really i don't know particular and um like the choice to it seems such a natural thing to not look at someone Mm -hmm. when you um when you want to bring up something very you know serious but like just the way that he thought about what he was saying before he said it i feel like that takes I don't know. I, I was really impressed with that, even though that's like a, a fundamental like acting thing. Like you don't have to look at the person in the eye the whole time you're talking to them, like the way that he fidgets. And the last scene, of course, is just like he brings it on home. Oh, yeah. I mean, Billy. again, like as much as I'm, I'm, I'm pooping on him, I thought he was good in this movie. I thought he was really good. I think he plays a very difficult role that he and he had to communicate the frustrations with his father kind of from the from like the jump, like before we even know what's going on. We know mm-hmm. that Will, you know, is, and it's like an interesting conflict that he has with Ed, Edward, Ed, who's the case may be, where like, <laughs> the way we see it is that like, you know, Edward's like showboating at Will's wedding, telling this fish story over and over. And I, 
I love this because it's not that Ed is like this like awful blowhard who's like difficult to be around. He's the life of the party. He's always telling the stories. Yeah. He is like, you know, the the center of attention and and Sandra has certainly accepted like her place in that as being, you know, the wife of the guy who's the center of attention telling the story. But like mm-hmm. Will is always just like further and further diminished. And I think that's a really original conflict between father and son where it's like you you know, like you take up too much space and like, I don't exist enough in like in the world when you're here versus it being like, you don't accept me or I'm not man enough for you. Like it's a new conflict, you know? Yeah. It's, I really, I I agree with that. I think that the, I don't think, you know, with my dad too, it's like, I didn't know my dad and I still, to a certain extent don't, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he he is not an Edward Bloom by any means too, but like he's just a blue collar guy that worked in the postal service for all his life and he married my mom and had two kids and he's retired now and he likes to read books and watch sports and take walks in the morning and it's like I I feel like everyone it's like a trope, you know what I mean, to to go and visit your dad to and, and like kind of reconcile or just like get to know him more too. But I I think in it's a valid argument for for Will to want to know the real Edward, but Edward doesn't know what Will means by that. I guess so. Watching them sort of spar back and forth and watching Will get frustrated, it's like he doesn't. And he never really finds out, but I do love, you know, not to... Sp- I, this is one of my favorite endings of a movie, I will say that. Like, as, as as much as I'm, like, you know, we're kind of unsure of, like, the re-watch, my rewatch and your first watch, too. I really do think it's such a beautiful, speaking of, like, six feet under kind of moment, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that hill scene is just so perfect in every way. And then, like, the funeral afterwards, in which he kind of sees that these people existed and not in the capacity that he was introduced to them. Um, and, but uh, I, I'm, I'm rambling here, but I get what you're saying. Uh, I think the yeah. you know, I feel like what's, what's interesting about this is that throughout this movie, it's, it's will trying to get to know Ed. It's, it's, you know, um, Josephine getting to know Ed. I, I love the fact that a portion of the movie was Ed and Josephine together. That, yes. that raised the points on this so high. I was like, okay, I love this. I love that she's not just supportive wife because I I have to say this up front. I think Marianne Cotillard is one of the best performances in the movie. She just had so much like gravity to her. I was like, you can tell this is the same actress who played Edith Piaf. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Marion Cotillard was almost too big for this role, but it made the role better, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if she has kids or whatever, or if it was just like a prosthetic baby bump too, but there is something about her that like is glowing that mm-hmm. you can't do. You can't manipulate that in any way, but the way that she was just like kind of tired mm-hmm. but still kind of like going throughout her day and like they they the costumes Colleen Atwood um just like dressing her and just like it's it, there's such a warmth about her and the way that she listens mm-hmm. to uh Albert Finney like tell his stories because one of the things that I really loved about like the writing I didn't love all the writing but like one thing that like is that Will probably has told you know, like at this point too, she's heard most of like 
Albert Finney mm-hmm. stories. And but there's probably stories that like Will has told her as well too. So when Albert Finney like quizzes her, like, did I ever tell you about the and then I Will just jumps in, he's like, Yes. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of jumps in and tells the story about the the flies carrying the car down. I loved that. I love that she already knew she just like kind of took the reins and I don't know, it's sort of like this um she's not like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like not a problem solver, like a mediator of sorts, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, in a way. And I, yeah, I agree. She is, this is her first American movie. Right. Um, yeah. And I think she killed it. I think she she's great. It. it was just, it was, that was like such a highlight. It was just like, I love Josephine. And, mm-hmm. and so it is, you know, we're, we're seeing Josephine get to know Edward. We're seeing Will try to get to know his father, but like by the end, it's like, instead of, Edward Sr., you know, or Edward Sr., he's just Edward. I'm just looking at IMDb and realizing that's just he pl- – Albert Finney played Edward Sr. Yeah. Um, Ed, by the end, it's not that he suddenly changes character and opens up and starts telling the truth. It's that mm-hmm. Will kind of embraces this thing, like this thing that he's kind of inherited from his father. And, we, and he's – I think it's kind of implied that he's a writer, and so he is already kind of – telling stories in his own way and by the end he's embracing his father's way of life of like make up the story of how i died and like make it magical Mm -hmm. and make it beautiful and like i think it's like a it's an interesting form of like forgiveness that is tricky because i think you know as a as a you know i I have a, not a super complicated relationship with my stepfather, but there's certainly, there were things that were very similar between Ed and my stepfather. And then my, my dad, dad, I, I haven't talked to in like a gazillion years. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole other episode, but, yeah. um, but it like super complicated. <laughs> and um, so as that son watching this, you know, I, I was certainly be subjective in wanting will to, will's will to hold you know that like no you don't have to do his way he's got to change you know what i mean but like the reality is as you're an adult you come to realize that like people are who they are and i think that's part of the forgiveness process for a lot of people with their parents is realizing like you're just a person and you're not perfect Mm -hmm. and you didn't get an instruction manual and you didn't do it all well. And you probably, and there were some ways in which you could have done better and you didn't. And there were some ways that you could have done better and you didn't know. And, uh, and, and that's just who you are. And I feel like that's what this kind of is, is will accepting, like, this is who you are. If I want to know who you are, you're the guy who tells these colorful stories. That's who you are. And he then kind of becomes that by the end. Yeah, I love that we get to see that sort of flash forward, even though I'm not a fan of a flash forward either. Mm. Like, you know, eventually, I don't know if they take over the house or if they're just visiting Jessica Lang like later on. She's like off to the left, just sitting in a beach chair with like a towel wrapped around. <laughs> yeah, her. right. Like, she's so underused. Um, but yeah, it's like we don't want to believe that we're going to become our parents. And I think that, you know, Will obviously did not want to take over that role in any capacity to to like the, a similar parenting style like but I, I think the other thing too is that um you know Albert Finney and and Will like they have this like conversation about like well you turned out good you know like but like mm-hmm. he's still messed up from it it's just like that that trauma that like of him not being around uh you know it doesn't it doesn't mean just because it, just because he's a good person doesn't mean that there's like shit to deal with and baggage to deal with too and i think that 
you look for someone to blame and that and I don't think he ever really I don't know looked at it from a different angle but death is like it, it's the perfect platform for something like this too and also with this story it's just it's a beautiful little ending yeah I it, it definitely like I got I got a little choked up I was like oh yeah movie you win and because yeah the ending is it's very six feet under it's it's will telling basically you know inventing i mean it's not he's not even repeating a story his father told it's really us seeing will tell one of these stories on his own the first time but what's so cool is that he's pulling from the stories that his father told and so there's all those characters that his father talked about and and you know then he turns into the big fish at the end and and it's it's such an ed it's such an ed story and it becomes a will story Mm -hmm. and i i thought that was um and just the way that it's all played out, and you know, Will even says like, and and there wasn't, you know, everyone was smiling, no one was sad, everyone was happy to see you, yeah. and um, and even Sandra in the water in the end, it wasn't like a big goodbye. She just he he gave her the ring and waved like, all right, I'm uh, I'm heading the A and P. I'll be right back. I'm get some rye, get some corned beef. I'll be right back. Like it was very casual. <laughs> And the thumb on the chin. Yeah, oh, the thumb on the chin. That was one of Jessica's best moments. Oh yeah, is when she's saying goodbye. Yeah. And she holds his hand and like puts the ugh, and so good. Yeah, and then he drops him in the water and he turns into the fish, and uh, it was great. Yeah. Other than you know, in terms of other folks in the movie, we know we've talked a bit about you know uh, we haven't really talked at all about Helena Bonham Carter, who is yes, uh, you know a Tim Burton staple, who is yes. double cast as both a witch from Ed's childhood, who um, you can see through one of her you know. Uh, gauzy eyes everyone's people you're able to apparently see how you're gonna die and so um this is apparently how he saw himself dying in her eye and then later she plays the adult uh version of this little girl jenny um who he met in this one sequence that i don't know if you saw the movie midsummer but this was essentially the movie midsummer Oh, yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, yes. yeah. So he, like, you know, in his life story, arrives at this, like, I, you know, bucolic... Spectre, the yeah, town. Specter, yeah, Spectre, this little town in the middle of the woods where everything's so perfect and, you know, you don't even need shoes. And um, I'll say this, when he, when, when young Ed goes there and he meets Jenny and they were talking about, like, you know, I'm eight, you're 18, and they were talking about their ages, I was like... I don't want you to end up being his wife later. This is officially creepy. Even later yeah. when you're grown adults, this is going to be creepy. Don't ever hook up. I just, right? Like, that's not, like, I understand, like, yes, 18 and 28, less gross. 28 and 38, not as gross anymore, right? But at one mm-hmm. point, they were 8 and 18 and in the same room, you know? Yeah, shut that down, Edward. You can just say, like, there are a lot of boys in town that are going to break your heart, but I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> so, I, I ain't yeah. one of them, yeah. Yeah, I ain't <clears throat> one of them. So, uh, but yeah, then she kind of comes back in the end of the movie as uh, really to kind of also help explain. And this was interesting because this is one of the, I think the only times we we're told a story about Ed not from Ed's perspective. And I feel like it was just as magical. And I was like, huh, like where he like drives off the road into the water and then he sees the mermaid and then his car is in the tree. And that was such an Ed story. And I was like, well, why is Jenny telling this story? Yeah, it's interesting. But I, I do like it, like you said, because it's the first time that Will gets to hear 
a different point of view mm-hmm. and then he actually enjoys it he's like no like go on to the side note when he, it does start raining and the, the car is underwater and the mermaid is just like swimming across that was way too long i was like she just needs to go across the windshield once oh bada bing bada boom let's move on here i was like let's even if it was like a naked man mm-hmm. i still would have not gotten i still would have said let's let's haul yeah, let's, let's make haul like buns. Easter. What is it? Yeah, yeah. What is it? Yeah, let's make like a bread truck and haul buns, ladies. Yeah, yeah. There it is. There we go. There it is. Uh, yeah. I know. I definitely. I was like. I think I. I was like a little unclear about that section because I was like, oh, I think I zoned out at this point because it's also later into the movie. So I was like, yep. Oh, for God's sake, we get it. You saw a mermaid, you know. Um, yeah. Get back but- to Jessica, you know. <laughs> but I do, I do like that whole scene. I, I'm glad that she had that moment. It's, it's a softer side of Helena Bonham Carter mm-hmm. that we don't see too often. Um, yeah. And even the, the whole scene where they eventually rebuild the house, and she goes in to kiss him, and just like how she navigates that scene mm-hmm. is really beautiful and um, an interesting sort of you know, detour on the road of Edward's life. Yeah, and and as you said, like, it's a softer side of Helena Bonham Carter, who I feel like is such a draggy actress. Like, yeah, I, I mean, obviously she's in so many of his movies that are, you know, inherently draggy on their own, but, like, that's what I'd be curious to see is, like, where is, like, Helena Bonham Carter, because even in The Crown, she was, you know, she was a, a bit of a, you know, uh, yeah. a pill. And so, like, where is yes. she just, like... Where is she just Helen? You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder. I, I'm sure it's out there. I know she's been nominated for like other movies. They're all like period pieces. Though, right. You know what I right. mean? I feel like that's not really your, well, your cup of tea. Yeah. But maybe, you know, listeners, chime in. What's what's a good, what's a quintessential Helena Bonham Carter movie that isn't like Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter you know right why do I feel like it's just always variations of that character everything she's in even before Harry Potter came out she was doing that character (laughs) kind of yeah oh my goodness so um but prove me wrong people I mean like I know she's in Fight Club and that's like one of those big omissions I don't even know I would call that yeah we're gay is that really a big omission in our catalogs to not see Fight Club Genuine question. I've seen it. Oh, you have? The one yes. thing so, you've seen, now I'm alone I know. on this one. All right. I know. So, okay, See? well, you tell me, as a gay man, did you feel this was a, an essential viewing? Um, The short answer is no. But I and, and Keon, who will be listening to this episode, is probably gasping right now because it is one of his favorite movies oh. of all time. And that's, that's the reason why I saw it. When we first started seeing each other, we were, you know, just sort of played this every other weekend or whenever we have time, let's show each other our favorite movies. So mm-hmm. I showed him like West Side Story and Steel Magnolias and Clue and he showed me Fight Club and like Terminator 2 and True Lies. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he showed me Fight Club and Terminator and 2. And Kill Bill, yeah. I mean, but it is... What's it like dating a straight guy? It must be really... I know, right? I'm like so much cleanup. He's just leaving <laughs> socks all over the... <laughs> he does though. He'll never yeah, put I mean... those socks away. <laughs> I'll take a picture. Please, um, yeah. So um, I did not expect the twist at all. There's a twist that I, I will not Oh, um, I think I know. I, th- I think at this, Yeah. I think at this point, yeah, it's been more or less spoiled. Very but... sixth sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, the totally. movie is so old. But Helena Bonham Carter, again, is like an offshoot of Bellatrix Lestrange. Right. She's just like this, uh, from what I remember, because it's been a while, I just feel like she's some sort of like coked out girl with 
sunglasses. Yeah, like uh, tortured you know. in a trench coat. That's what I picture, you know, and like Yeah. She's always got the crazy hair, you know? It's like put a comb through yes. it, Helen, you know. <laughs> She's smoking a cigarette. There's I mean, it's a it's a cool movie. Mm. There's one scene where like that has really stuck with me, honestly. And I think that's if I could find it on YouTube, I will send it to you. It's like this scene where he like Brad Pitt like holds up a uh, like a, sh- a store owner at gunpoint and it's like this really uh, that's all I'll say but I'll, I'll, oh, I'll send it to you okay. if, if you know you know but um, uh, but yeah do any dogs die do I need to know mm, I'll check I'd, 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 I'd suggest looking that oh uh, yeah I can't I, remember a movie like Fight Club it does not seem like a movie that likes cats you know what I mean like I just yeah I don't really <laughs> yeah. I just, well maybe maybe I don't I, know I can see Brad Pitt with a cat or Edward Norton um yeah, I, I don't like punching. You know, I yeah. don't like people getting hit like over and over again. Even in this movie, the uh, what's his face, the, uh, Roy from the office, right? Him punching. I was like, oh my god, stop! Oh, in the movie, did that? I feel like you could do a super cut, and I'd, so many of the movies would be from this early two thousands era where somebody gets punched and they spin around and face the camera with a goofy look on their face and then yep. drop. I yeah, it's like oh, like all it needed was the like the the bird sounds from Lo- Looney Tunes when somebody gets punched, you know? <laughs> yes. And like the cuckoo like clock. Like hump. Yeah. Hump and the, to like go up on his yes. head. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The little, the, the goose egg. That know? always used to gross me out. I was like, ugh. Right? Do that? Yeah. Right? Ugh, God. The worst. Um, well, yeah, so uh, speaking of people in this movie, yeah, it was, it, uh, I feel like David Denman will always be Roy, and it reminded me that he was in Mayor of Easttown, and I'm like, nope. Yes. Roy, you know? Uh, and yeah, remember Mayor of Easttown? Wasn't that fun? Oh my gosh, what a time to be alive! Yeah, just... that was that was like I look <sighs> back very like I have so much nostalgia for like the six weeks that Mayor of Easttown was happening, and we were all just like watching it, you know. And because what else do you do, you know? Ugh, like my Ryan, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> I know. Was that was that during like twenty twenty? I think it was. Last year, I think it was. Oh, last it's 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, you know, rooting for Julianne Nicholson from day from yeah. day one. Yeah, and, and I just never. Gene Smart. Gene Smart. Gene Smart's in that. Gene Smart got so. I mean, God bless her in Hacks, but like, can we talk about Gene Smart playing Angry Birds on her on her iPad? You know. Oh, uh, or uh, what was it? Fruit Ninja. Uh, Fruit Ninja. <laughs> Fruit Ninja. Fruit Ninja. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Fruit Ninja. Oh, so good. <laughs> the swipes. The swipes of the sword. Gene. Yeah, with uh, her glasses. Yeah. <laughs> God, with like a glass of rosé, ice yeah. cubes. You know? Yes, God, that movie, that movie, that show, that was a great show. Um, it was good, but yeah. So, so you know, we get a little bit of Roy. Uh, we also, and I, you know, I mentioned this earlier. I was, I. There's a part of me that's like, can we? Is there a world where Danny DeVito might be a queen? Because, like, oh, I think he's yeah. a fucking delight. I think he's just. In general, and it was just because I, I, I don't think we've ever talked about him on this podcast before. But like, no, I love Danny DeVito. Uh, <laughs> I do. I just love him. I just love him. He is really cute. <laughs> like, I wish I watched It's Only Sunny. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because I feel like he is giving like an absolutely insane performance on that show, and I just like I just don't feel like investing but i know that he is just like next level weird and bonkers in that show yeah i i love that he said yes to that show it's yeah. such a weird um 
casting choice, but it probably works really well. Again, I I've only seen one episode and I didn't really love it. Amanda like made me watch it. I hated it. Oh yeah, I mean it is. It's very like I I don't I wonder if it's the kind of show where you have to. It's like you have to be in the know. You have to like be in the world of it to get the jokes. Like I. I, I I hate to say anything wildly unpopular here, but I've often felt that Friends feels like a show, like an inside joke that I'm not a part of, you know? And yeah. When, and, you know, I just, I get that people love it. I get that, you know, group chat, the group chat is real Friends head. So I know that there are some people listening right now that are sharpening pitchforks, but like I, I've never been a big Friends person and I've just always felt like it's one of those things that if you're not really into it, then like you're not into it, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what my equivalent would be, but you're right. It's like I I know enough friends to get by. I can't quote anything, but I uh, so many of my friends watch it that I've also like absorbed it through you know unintentionally mm-hmm. watching it. Yeah, uh, but I do laugh. I mean, I love Lisa Kudrow. Um, so that's always going to be a draw for me. But I, I've never watched it the whole way through, and I really don't have any desire to, which sounds weird. But yeah, it sorry. seems like a lot of yelled punchlines. Like I don't know. I'm I'm just uh, unabashedly coming down on Friends now. But uh, yeah, what do you want me to do? You know, uh, I love Danny DeVito. <laughs> I love Danny DeVito. Yeah, there we so go. there's Back. that. Danny DeVito's a guest star in Friends. He plays a stripper. See, I love Friends. Yeah. I love Danny DeVito in yes. Friends. Yeah. His accent work in this, I it, it goes in like 10 different directions. I don't know what he's doing. This is Danny we're talking mm-hmm. about. But I do I do love him. I mean, he's the perfect sort of like master. What is it? Ring ringmaster? Ringleader. Yeah. Ringleader. Yeah. What was the like thing that. Tinsley did? Remember when Tinsley was at the Big <laughs> Apple Circus? Yes. And, um, Welcome to the Big Apple Circus. Oh shoot! And then and then like twenty minutes later, she's in the in the, in the sitting with Dale. I'm so fucking miserable right now. <laughs> She's like, don't cry, Tinsley. Don't cry. Uh, <laughs> or she's like, don't cuss, Tinsley. Don't she cuss, says, Tinsley. Fucking... Yeah, it's not becoming. Uh, and so, oh, like, and God. I just have to cop that, like, anyone listening right now who are like big f- fans of Friends, and I was just shitting all over it. My version of like, I, I'm a, I love the Real Housewives, and I feel like if you're not into it, it all just seems so stupid. So, like, I can sympathize that, like, we all have our thing, you know. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, that's yeah. So Queen yeah, so yeah, Queen. Yeah, so Queen Danny. Not to be confused with Tinsley Mortimer. Uh, I often do. You know, I was just looking at Danny DeVito's um, IMDb, or I was scrolling through it just because you know I love him, and I I noticed. Do you remember? And I most remember like the thirty second commercial on TV for this. Do you remember a movie from like nineteen ninety eight called Living Out Loud with Holly Hunter? No. Oh my God. Okay. So I will find like the TV spot. It's like one of these things from my childhood that is, I've never seen the movie. I don't know anything about it. All I know is that like it's Holly Hunter feeling really sexy and like, sexy. She's really sexy. And there's like a scene in an elevator. And it's one of those things that I have never seen. And I think I'll never see the movie because I only want to know it. The way I know it, which is a 30 second trailer on television in the late 90s. Sure. You know, Um, but I thought I'd ask, you know, you'd seen Fight Club. I thought maybe you saw Living Out Loud. I know. You never know what I'll throw out. I just don't. (laughs) I just don't. Was Danny, was Danny your 
like possible queen in waiting slash queen? Was that yeah, your nomination there? I, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I had really strong feelings of like, is there an is there a way we could get him back on the podcast? You know, as a you know a, someone in the movie uh, that we talk about that would maybe reinforce like, yeah, Danny DeVito, you know, a queen at the Westons later this year. Yeah, I mean, he's great in Matilda. He is great in Matilda, and he's you know, good as uh, the Penguin. Oh, that's right. He is uh, good in the Penguin. Uh, in the Penguin, as the Penguin. In? Yeah, I just feel like he never had that like starring you know that he's the centerpiece i guess well he was nominated for one oscar so let's see what he got nominated for i'm sure it was best supporting was it actor. for producing oh it's he... bet yes he is a producer for best picture uh yes. for aaron brockovich i remember that because much of julia roberts acceptance speech is a pan out to danny and uh Rhea perlman <laughs> just oh like, yeah like fools the whole time it's uh it's really cute well, and how full circle, because nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Aaron Brockovich was Albert Finney. Yeah, Albert. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he is great in this movie. I mean, he, like, to be fair, he spends almost all of it in, in bed, you know, being kind of, you know, on his deathbed. So I, I would have liked to see him, you know, a little little more spry. Like, I, I love Albert Finney in Aaron Brockovich. I think that's one of my like favorite like supporting actor yeah. performances. He's so good as another character named Ed. He loves playing Ed. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. I so, never would have put that together. Yeah, these are the stupid things that I don't need to put together, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah. The Albert Finney connection. Uh, yeah. I I want to take. I'm like I want to take this opportunity to go in a different direction, but I, I wanted to say this earlier that. Um, Big Fish is a Broadway musical as well. And I remember when they uh, like announced that this was happening, I was so excited because I was like, oh, this would be such a beautiful stage show if they like, if they did it right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've seen the show um, not on Broadway. Um, and it is great. Like it's it. I think it does trim off the fat of a lot of, you know, the movie. Obviously, it's not going to be a two-hour musical, two-hour and five-minute. Um, but there are two songs in it that are so gorgeous. And it's it come, it's basically the... I mean, there's a lot of beautiful music in it. It's written by or composed by Andrew Lippa, who did, like, The Wild Party. Mm-hmm. He did The Addams Family, too. Um, but the, like, at the very end of the movie and then the very end of the musical... Um, when like Will is kind of telling the story of, you know, uh, Edward's death, I guess. There's a song called What's Next, and it's so beautiful. And but like th- then it leads into this whole song called, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? How it ends. Um, I almost want to assign it to you, but I'm not. That that's like an unofficial assignment. I might just send it to you, and if you listen to it, great. If not, that's also fine. But I think there are a lot of really great moments in that show too. Like the daffodil scene is really beautiful. They have daffodils mm-hmm. that like grow up from the stage, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. That's it is a Broadway show, and I think a worthy um, screen to stage adaptation. And it's something you wouldn't expect because there's just so, it it has so many locations and so many like there's so much that happens that it's like mm-hmm. it feels very ambitious to then like turn that into a a show on stage. But that's I mean, you know, uh, they could do it with Back to the Future or they could do it with Big Fish. Yeah, why not? Why what not? do you think? I mean, another we'll get back to Big Fish, folks. But 
Well, I guess we could save it for the after show, too. It's like the whole Leah Michelle Beanie Feldstein. Do you want to save that for the after show and tie someone, oh. entice everyone to like hop over to Patreon here? Right. Like maybe this is the time to become a BS Atreon and to join us on Patreon for the best supporting after show, which comes out on Fridays. And you would also be getting access to this episode earlier, which is, you know, hey, uh, you know, if you wanted to know how much I love Danny DeVito, you would have found out 24 hours sooner. How nice is that? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe it's finally time we share our feelings on Patreon on Leah Michelle and Beanie Feldstein. <laughs> Yeah. After all these After months. After all these months, I think. <laughs> all these weeks. Yes. I think the butts on the edges of seats are about to fall off. But if you want to hear our thoughts on Beanie Feldstein and Liam Michelle, you can just join us at patreon.com slash BSA pod. Um, we're probably also going to talk about yeah. the Emmys this week as well. So, Oh, yes. Yeah. Emmy nominations. Yeah. So we've also got that. Stuff. We've got a lot, lot to talk about actually this week. But uh, big fish wise. um well, I guess, you know, let's go back to, like, I, uh, the original question of, like, so what inspired you to choose this? Like, what – and maybe you said this earlier, but, like, I feel like it didn't – I didn't I didn't realize it. So what was the – You're was like, the, I wasn't and, listening. I, I don't think I was listening. <laughs> I think I was looking at pictures of Danny DeVito. What – yeah, I mean, because this movie is so, like, not a typical BSA movie, and it is so much a men's story. So I'm curious yeah. uh, what where this movie lives for you, what it means to you. Yeah, I guess I, a lot of the decision was led by from what I remember it to be, which mm-hmm. when I went back and watched it, you know, it, it changed. It's sort of it's not I mean, it's so fitting that, you know, even t- in talking about this movie, like when he goes back to Spectre and just like the symbolism, it's like kind of going back to your hometown and realizing that it's not things aren't as what it as shiny and new as it used to be. And like that feeling has kind of gone a little bit and the magic really. But I think, I mean, I guess a lot of it, I mean, both the, the tie, the common denominator between like this and Moulin Rouge is Ewan McGregor. And I, so I, I, I feel like there's something to be acknowledged there too. And how much I was like really into him or just sort of like fascinated by him as an actor. Um, but I think there's so much of this movie that, visually is so stunning too like the even just like the first glimpse of specter like when it's like nighttime with like the lights um just that shot will always stick in my mind like with mm-hmm. the boots hanging on the wire like the other move the moment that like just i i always love is when um he finally sees sandra at the circus and everyone freezes and like oh, the popcorn yeah. kind of crumbles away yeah i love that there's a there's a song in the musical called time stops that kind of syncs up with that that's really beautiful um and it's such like tim burton lush sometimes creepy but mostly beautiful uh, like direction and you know and really kind of designing and, and really uh, creating this world for us and, and and the ending too I think really it comes down to the ending and, and I even I was I was watching it um, I was like I'm so glad the ending is the ending because it's it's just and I think I this time around I didn't cry as much I mean I cried <laughs> let's be honest um, but usually I like start losing it like as soon as like Danny DeVito says he's here and then the band starts and it's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. Um, but I think really what touched me more was just Billy Crudup talking to him and like understanding what that meant now, which we've already talked about it too, but just seeing that 
he's telling the story and forgiving his father at the same time. And I think that that, and Marion Cotillard. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, I think that's why I chose it. Yeah, that's a very long-winded answer, but I I still really love this movie. I own this movie. I'll never get rid of it. It's, it's just a part of me, I feel. I, it is interesting that, like, the connection that it has with like Moulin Rouge and um, La Vie and Rose, like with Marion Cotillard and, and Ewan McGregor, it's like two of your favorite things like intersect in this movie. Yeah. So, um, so that's, you know, uh, that's a fun little connection. You know, your love of Ewan McGregor, you know, maybe one day we could put ourselves through two hours and one minute of 2013's August Osage County to revisit an exercise in miscasting. <laughs> Because everyone is miscast oh, except for Mar- Margot Martindale. Everyone yeah, Margo, is miscast except say. for Margot Martindale in this movie. Uh, Julia Nicholson's in it. We just talked about her. Oh my god! Yeah, I know it's it's weird how we keep we're hitting like so many roundabouts. Uh, Juliet Lewis, I think, is actually okay in the movie. Um, Oh, it should have been Julie Julie uh, Roberts' part. You said that in the Six Feet Under, or someone said that in the Six Feet Under episode, which I think is perfect. Yeah, I think Amanda was saying that uh, Rachel Griffiths would be great in the Julia Roberts part of Barbara. Oh, yes, that's which right, that's right. Oh my God, to connect to that episode, then Juliette Lewis and Rachel Griffiths would be playing sisters, which we yep. talked about on that episode. Oh, yes, my brains yes. are coming right out of my lobes. Um, <laughs> I also think Meryl is insanely broad in that movie. Um, too much. Much. Too, too much. much but uh that might be fun someday to you know i've only seen it once and i i did not enjoy the movie but part of me feels like eh, why not suffer through it again yeah i've never even hit i've never even pressed play i've never even i've seen you know eat the fish bitch you uh-huh. know i've seen that scene where they like she tackles her or whatever but I, other than that that's all i've seen and i've read the play but I've never seen it on stage. Um, so, yeah, that cast, though. Oh, I know. Have, wait, have you seen great. any of the clips of the, the stage productions on YouTube? I believe that I have. Because um, I think the you know, whole thing is on there. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Because you need to see. I mean, it's like one of my favorite moments I, of any like theater moment ever was like the end of act two of, uh, and I don't remember how much they recreate this in the movie, but it's like once they discover that, you know, uh, Violet has been, you know, is, is high on pills. And then, pills, you know, yeah. Barbara's like, Oh yeah, that's it. You know, start raiding the house looking for pills and, and, you know, um, you know, Barbara's just kind of like taking over and like Violet's fighting. She's like, you can't do this. This is my house. And then like, Barbara like turns to her oh and it's oh in the in the stage version it's incredible it's a roar and she's like you don't understand I'm running things now and then it goes right to black and it's just oh and it's so that's actually on YouTube I'll find it and send it to you with Amy Morton who is the only Barbara in my mind yeah she I was just gonna say Amy Morton Amy Morton Amy Morton she is she's so good she's I wish she could have been in the movie I wish she could have yeah I know that she's kind of She's more of a theater actress now, and like you're not gonna out, you know, you, they're gonna get Julia Roberts instead. But damn, right? Oh yeah, that's I, that's a missed opportunity. Absolutely, it's like once somebody does it perfectly once, there's really no reason to cast anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. <sighs> well, uh, any other thoughts or feelings on Big Fish before we get to that Patreon episode where we we really dish some funny girl? 
Yeah, uh, no. I think uh, one of my last notes is Carl the Giant is an icon, <laughs> and he is the moment. And, and now, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> <laughs> we used to quote him all the time in college. Anytime we were, like, hungry or ready to go to the dining hall, we would say, I just get so hungry. Just get so because hungry. it's such a weird line. <laughs> it's like all of his stuff is so bizarre, and he's so tall. I mean, they make him look taller than he actually is but um, mm-hmm. Matthew McGrory is his name and who unfortunately passed away like two years after the movie was made because of I, I just think of how big he was and his body couldn't yeah you I know this is go a, on which a is condition. so sad yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I do love this movie well thanks for getting me to watch it and uh, yeah. you know to, to visit the imaginary DVD shelf in my mind of early 2000s movies and you know to face yes. the the gross last name of Billy Crudup and to decide <laughs> if I was going to like Ewan McGregor this time and to deal with Helena Bonham Carter's crazy hair. Um, yes. Thank you. Th- and of course, the American debut of uh, Dame Marion Cotillard, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what the French <laughs> yes. equivalent of that is, but she's that. Yeah, she is maximizing her potential I, I absolutely say. oh absolutely maximize her potential so you know this buds for you josephine and uh right. on that note we're actually getting played off so uh oh. little danny elfman for your nerve you know um <laughs> but uh till then uh till i don't know what i'm talking about anymore where can people find more of you <laughs> Until then, uh, they can find me on my other two podcasts these days. Um, the first being the Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour, where we are uh, recapping the All-Star 7 winter season of RuPaul's Drag Race with Amanda Kaczynski. And then uh, the Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you, Colin? Well, you can find me on my other two podcasts, In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance, or All Right, Mary, where we're also covering All Stars 7. And you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can find both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. At this point, I feel like your peepers should be sufficiently peeled because we've talked all about the best supporting after show on patreon but a brief reminder that that is coming out on friday we'll be talking about beanie we'll be talking about leah we'll be talking about the emmys patreon.com slash bsa pod yeah get over there it's the new smash it is the new smash yeah i stole that from ryan o'connor he's been on fire today from uh, this week with all the beanie and uh, i think he tweeted like like Beanie versus Leah is the new Smash reboot that we need. Ugh. And I would watch that. Perfect. Perfect timing. Yeah. And that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <laughs>